You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fabulous Feinstein's 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder. Please take this moment to silence your cell phones. Also, there is no flash photography, please. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Nicole Henry. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast, where we bring you behind the scenes with your favorite artists from Broadway's Supper Club. I'm Nella Vera, Director of Marketing at the Club. And our guest today is Nicole Henry, the Soul Train Award winner, who has been described as a paragon of perfection, the vocal love child of Whitney Houston and Sarah Vaughan. She has performed in more than 30 music festivals worldwide and in some of the world's most famous venues. And she'll be returning to find Science 54 below on March 3rd and 17th. Nicole, we're so excited to have you on the Fine Sense 54 Below podcast. Thank you so much, Nella, for having me. Thank you, thank you. And uh, I want to, th- mm-hmm. I just want to thank you for calling in. Uh, for everybody who's listening to us, uh, Nicole's out of town, so we're doing this recording through the magic of technology and the internet. Amazing! <laughs> it's, just, it's so clear. <laughs> yes, I'm in Miami Beach, um, which is not a bad place to be right now oh my god i'm <laughs> so jealous <laughs> I'm, you know what I'm, I'm here done uh doing uh, it's the world premiere of a new musical called a wonderful world and it's the life of louis armstrong and i'm his third wife thank you very much oh wow so, yeah it's a lot of fun we're in rehearsals we open march 5th that's fantastic i've been reading all about it oh, good. actually so oh. that's great Nicole, you've been praised as one of the leading vocalists in the contemporary jazz world how were you first introduced to this music Oddly enough, somehow I made it through my, up until around early 20s, not knowing what jazz was. And it was after graduating from college down here in Miami at the University of Miami. And I was trying to figure out how to get more into the music scene and to start putting out my original songs, playing guitar. And I had a guitar duo project where we would sing songs from the 70s, 80s. And we were asked to open up a set for at, at a jazz club on a weekly basis. And so we would go in there and do our set. And then I'd stick around and listen to this quartet or trio with a singer. And somehow I was, I was just mesmerized by the fact that I had not really known these songs by, you know, Cole Porter and, oh, that was an Ella Fitzgerald song. Oh, that's, you know, Frank Sinatra and, and Tony Bennett. And these were songs that I just, I fell in love with immediately because of the, obviously the lyricism, the, the the melodies, just the joy and the beauty of the lyrics. And, and again, I, I, so that trio actually invited me a few months later to 
do my own jazz night. And I crammed for like two, three months and learned as many jazz songs as I could and and started singing jazz in April of 2002. And that's when I, and from there, it's just, I started recording CD because uh, I was playing every week and started playing around town five nights a week. And just, I just fell in love with the genre. Yeah. It's uh, great. I think most people don't understand what jazz is. I think they think mm -hmm. it's all Louis Armstrong Mm -hmm. and And Ella Ella Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald, but there's a lot of contemporary jazz that is Tony Bennett and artists like that. Right. Right. And you know, it's funny that you say that because four years prior and then two years prior, um, two friends had given me jazz CDs to listen to and it happened to be Billie Holiday's last album and then one of Nina Simone's later albums. And I just couldn't understand where they were coming from. I mean, that was Billie Holiday's last album, Lady in Satin, was so obscure because she was just so sadly strung out. And so her vocal quality was just different. But And, and, and Nina Simone's vocal quality was different than what I was used to hearing, you know, pop and, and rock. Um, but then when I saw, saw jazz live and heard it live, all, all of that made sense. I was able to go back to those albums and say, I get it now. I get it. And go deeper and just dive into so many vocalists and arrangers. And yeah, so you're right. It's, and I think seeing it live really helps any listener to introduce to themselves to jazz. It does. It really does. I mean, I love jazz to begin with, but I think it's a lot more accessible than people think. It, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And yeah. I, I'm not a purist. Any listener could l- listen to me and say, she's definitely influenced with, from pop and soul, but I just love the genre and the music and the lyrics of jazz and, and the, the instrumentation. I love the upright bass. I love a live piano. I love a drummer that can swing, but also dig. And so, yeah. When did you begin singing? Would you say, what would you say also what was your big break to get into the business? Oh, good question. Um, well, if you come see the show, <laughs> you'll hear that story actually, because I tell I talk about my first audition in third grade, and uh, not not until fifth grade was I actually granted a solo in elementary school. I think uh, you know, singing at school choirs, singing at church choirs, and then eventually being offered solo solos. I knew I enjoyed singing and thought I could. I thought it was a fine, you know, it was fine. And then I joined, do competitions really to try to win a little money so I could have some spending money. And, and, uh, and it wasn't until after college where I did not study music, unfortunately, which is fine. But after college, a couple people could, would continue to ask me to sing. And then I had an opportunity to record with a DJ, some house music. And I, I didn't think there was going to be any future in it. And then when I, with that house music recording, which crazily my second recording with him got to number eight on the billboard charts which was like what how did that happen performing dance music gave me an opportunity to be on stage and sing more than one song you know when you're doing a competition or the national anthem you're just singing one song but when you go and perform say three or four songs in a row that's when you learn that there's an art to entertaining and not just getting up there and singing a song. You have to really engage and captivate and and draw an audience in and keep them with you. And that's what I fell in love with. That was 
at literally at a rave at probably three o'clock in the morning in Orlando back in the day, um, I fell in love with performing. And I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that led me to the various genres of music after that to uh, to just get into it. So I, But I, I grew up around music. My aunt is still a singer, a background vocalist. She now sings, she's been singing with Patti LaBelle as a background vocalist for 25 years at least. But I didn't get what a career, like unfortunately I didn't go to an arts school like so many of my fellow um, entertainers and actors, singers. So I didn't really realize the path to becoming an entertainer and nor did I understand the fact that there's just like a lawyer or a doctor, you can have a doctor that practices locally, or you can have a doctor that's internationally known and, you know, published and in the reviews and everything. So I didn't realize the, the, what a career in entertainment was or how you get there. I thought you just got discovered and that was it. So it was a really, it was a, a quick learning process for me, but I, I love every minute of it and I'm, I feel blessed to do what I love. Yeah. The music business is not easy. <laughs> Did you have any mentors along the way? You know, to a degree I did. And, and I, and I try to tell kids now, like I mentor some kid, children, younger entertainers now, and I try to tell them, ask, just ask and stay in touch and get inspired. And, and because I didn't do that, I, I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not that person that goes and asks for help as much as I, as, as I think people should in life, because I think that, you learn so much. Um, but I, just along the way, little angels were dropped into my life that got me a distribution deal or that introduced me to one of the best jazz radio promoters in the country or um, that happened to get me in front of the cab, the gentleman who used, Donald, who used to run the cabaret convention and who happened to get me into, um, introduced me to a, a Japanese distributor. So then I've been to tour in Japan 17 times now, you know, there were just little oh angels goodness. that, that opened doors for me without me even asking too much. But it's just sometimes you, when certain things happen, you're like, okay, thank you, God, thank you, universe, whatever you believe in for laying out this path that I could not have ever, right. you know, right. yeah, laid out for myself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You said you didn't uh, major in, in the arts or music. What what was your major in? So I got, a, I got a full scholarship to study architecture. <laughs> so I did that for two years. Oh, fantastic. And I love architecture. Well, that's so interesting. Um, yeah. And I think, it's, <laughs> I, I think the arts are so similar. I mean, you know, I, I love, I, the idea was to create a space for people to be comfortable and to, to live their best life. And I think that's what I try to do with music. I try to create a space where people can find their place in it and, and live their best life with, with, you know, expression. So, but yes, quickly, I mean, two years (laughs) was one year too long, but I studied that for two years and, uh, and then I switched to advertising, which is very similar, um, in, as far as arts and, and exposing people to a good vibe and uh, advertising in theater. And I knew I loved theater. I remember as a child, whenever I was, I was standing on top of the toilet, looking in the mirror and I somehow during that time in switching majors, I remembered saying, I just want to make people laugh. I just want to make people smile. And I, and, and that inspired me to say, I love acting. This is, I love being in front of people and whether it's being foolish or helping people feel understood. And so, um, like I said, I feel blessed, but yeah. How many albums have you produced so far? 
I I think it's seven <laughs> and then a few singles yeah. along the way. Yes, the first album was in 2004. It, it wound up being a live recording, but it, we were able to make it sound like, well, we did it. We performed it live at a jazz club, but not in front of an audience. And then uh, I, that's where I was able to get my first distribution deal. And I just started my own label because living in Miami Beach, I'd reach out to jazz labels and they said, well, you know, there's a million, there's hundreds of people just like you in New York City. So, so I just wound up starting my own label and getting it distributed and, and selling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's out there now and still serving me well. Thank God. But, um, yeah, I love, I've listened to most of them, but I yeah, love the nearness of you. That's the first one. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and teach me tonight. And my favorite thing ever is your recording of Moon River. Mm, thank you. Uh, which is so beautiful. Oh. That wasn't on an album, correct? Right. That was actually recorded for my third album, but it was just, it, the album was getting too long. And so I said, okay, well, I'll hold on to it and release it later as a single. Oh my goodness. And here, and all of a sudden, <laughs> that was 2008 that came out. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, right. I still have Moon River and I love that song. And so we rec- I think it was probably three years ago, two years ago that we released it, maybe three years ago that we put it out. So uh, yes, that, that Mancini tune. I remember when I first heard that running, I used to run on Miami beach on the sand late at night and uh, just learn new jazz songs. I'd have my CD Walkman. Thank you. And uh, I'd be listening Mm -hmm. to new CDs and that was uh, Sarah Vaughn sings Mancini. And I just, when I heard that, and of course, I'd heard of the song, but never knew the song. And so this is early, way early in my career, 2004, I think I learned this. this through, yeah, four. And I just played that song over and over and over again. So it was great to record it myself. Well, your recording of it is just spectacular. Thank you. Truly, truly one of the best things I've ever mm, heard. So thank you. I've oh. been listening to it nonstop. Mm. <laughs> I appreciate it. Aside from Whitney Houston, which other artists have influenced you the most? I would say, okay, so coming, you know, my first 20 years of my life, not listening to jazz at all, Whitney was a huge influence because that was when I started singing publicly. And that was at that that voice, I think, mesmerized the world of any singer. <laughs> um, but I grew up listening to Aretha Franklin's gospel album. My parents would play for my sister and I. Um, so I think Aretha's kind of grit and just digging into her gospel, I just love how she makes every word sound like truth. And so I think that was a big influence for me. And then when it came more towards jazz, I love Sarah and I love Nancy Wilson. Nancy Wilson to me is is like boldness and passion and creativity and innovation to me. It, she, I just love what she did with jazz and then bringing it into the 70s and the 80s. Some great, great role models there. So you've performed in over 20 countries. Do you enjoy traveling? I love traveling. I love traveling. And <laughs> you know what I love about traveling the most? I, I, I just, I, when I wake up in the morning and I can't, I'm like, where am I? Oh, oh, right. Okay. Oh, I'm here. Okay. That, I love that feeling so much. I just love, <laughs> there's not, to me, that's the element of surprise of like, oh, right. Okay. I'm, I'm in whatever country. Like even this morning when I woke up <laughs> in Miami, I was like, oh, New York. Oh no, I'm, I'm all right. That's so fun. What are you, what are some of your favorite places to visit or to perform? I, well, I always like to say the next city that I've never been to because I do. I just really love exploring and uh, seeing 
how people live in other parts of the world, whether it be this country or another place. I love Tokyo. I love Japan because of how they, it seems like they just have such a reverence for life um, ecologically. So they have so many gardens all over Japan and I love gardens. Um, And so, and I don't always find the time to go to them, but when I'm in Japan, it's inevitable. I I go for a run and I find like three gardens. So I I just love that about Japan. Um, And then, I mean, New York City, hello. It's just, uh, you know, I always feel like you have to, you, the bar is high. And if you got to leap over that thing and make sure, make sure you're on point. Yeah. So I do love that. And then, and then I have to say Miami because, and it feels like when I'm ho- in Miami, I feel like I'm home, even though I was born in Philadelphia uh, and raised in Bucks County. Miami was the first, my first audience, my first real, I'm a professional, you know, audience. And I feel like I've grown up in front of, this town and they've embraced me from day one. I actually have an annual concert that I do down here, oddly enough, at the same theater that this musical is going up at. So it's it's, it's a full oh. circle kind of thing to come back. Oh, how fun. Yeah. That's keeping you very busy. So do you think, you know, I know you've been to Paris, Japan. Those are two places where people really love jazz. Yes. And I know Paris, it's kind of in the Parisian tradition. I was surprised to learn that places like Japan um, really embrace jazz music. And why do you think that is? Japan is such a homogenous country that after the war and when they were hearing this music, it was just so different and so, so, so foreign (laughs) from the you know, so far and from what they had in their, you know, every day. So I have a feeling that that's one of the reasons. And they, I mean, they're really a listening audience. Thank God. I, I couldn't tell you exactly why, but I just know historically parts of Europe and Japan for sure after the wars, both wars were really influenced by jazz and, and, it, and it remains so. So, yeah. I love that. I love the idea of this cross-cultural exchange in yes. a way. Yes, I think I think the arts is is America's best export. Fantastic. Do you find that international audiences react differently to your music? You know, and also there is there a language barrier mm. that people have to overcome when you're singing? No, I think I think when we go to other countries, artists, particularly vocal artists with using words, we we realize that it's about a feeling. It is about what story are you telling, even if you can't tell the, tell the story through words? So that's always a beautiful challenge without overacting. You know what I mean? As far as a, a vocalist, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to be like schmacting, as my one director told me, yeah. you know, like just too dramatic or anything. But you really just find the intent of the story. And you were asking, is there a barrier? No, I don't think there's a barrier. And I, and I do think there's, a, there's truth to the idea that um, people are engaged more so because it's a it's an import it's an import you know you if i if i see an american acting versus maybe seeing another cut someone from another country a foreigner coming in you're 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 more curious and so i think there's that element to it but um maybe we're all just so fabulous no <laughs> no but it's, <laughs> absolutely no, it's a lot of fun and i guess music is universal as absolutely. well i mean people see operas and right. you can follow the plot right. pretty well without the translation and your upcoming show at Fine Science mm-hmm. Fifty Four Below is all Whitney Houston. I was lucky enough to see this show the first time you did it, oh, and I will say that more than any other show I've seen here, 
this show brought so much joy <gasps> to the room. Oh. I've not seen anything like oh it goodness. since coming to work oh, here. No, yeah, thank you. So, that is such a, that's a huge I mean, compliment. Just, oh my goodness, it was wonderful. I mean, you could just sense <gasps> this mm. happiness and just feeling of community in the room. Wow. What inspired you to put the show together? Can wow. you talk? And also, can you talk about what's so special about Whitney and her Absolutely. music? Absolutely. Well, which we all kind of know, mm-hmm. but let's get it on the record. Right? Well, <laughs> uh, let me start by saying, I have to thank Will Nunziata for this show. Will is the director and the creator of this show. He conceived the idea. Uh, we had talked about working together and somewhere we were seeing a show together. I want to say down in Palm Beach when he was happened to be in town years before I had gone and gotten a place in New York. And he said, we have to work together. He goes, you should do Whitney. And I was like, oh my goodness, I love Whitney songs. And then fast forward three, four years later, last summer, Will called me. He goes, Nicole, I had a dream and let, we've got to do this. Let's do this project. So I said, okay, what, what are we doing? Whitney Houston. I said, oh, perfect. Let's do this. So we started meeting. He started kind of interviewing me about life and growing up and, you know, some just random questions. And then about a month into it, he said, okay, I have the shape of it. And he started, you know, we had talked about the songs that I love and I know. And, um, and then some songs that he loved and he thought should still be in the show, even though I, they weren't songs that I performed and really knew that much, which I'm so grateful for. And we, he put together this framework of the show and I'm telling you, it was like, like when you talk to songwriters about writing a song, it was like, I don't know where it came from, but it was out in two hours. We, he, he kicked it off and we just started kind of writing a little bit of, of it together. And eventually I started writing more with him. So in a way it's a co-write, but I I feel like horrible taking credit for anything because he really (laughs) just, he made it happen and brought this show out of me and gave me the opportunity to be me through this show and uh, tell stories about my life, tell stories about things that we can all relate to growing up, you know, in the eighties or um, what these songs meant to us or, you know, so uh, it's been, it's, it's, I'm so happy about this show because I have a great time doing it. I really do. Beyond just her vocals, what is it about Whitney that still continues to fascinate people? Yes. I think, there was something about her and even her tragic, I won't say fall because I don't think she was, she was human. And, you know, and we wanted, she gave us something to believe in from the get go. She was, and I love that she came out when she did, because it wasn't all about social media and photos about her whole life. And even though she got into yeah. that last, uh, reality TV show. It, she didn't, it wasn't all about this. So, you know, she, she was a world Her voice was just, it, it surpassed any voice that we had ever heard. And, and the combination, even though in the beginning, black audiences didn't think Whitney was black enough, unfortunately. And that, that really bothered her, Ugh. which is, which is crazy. <laughs> I think we've, as a, as a society, as a culture, we've all gotten past that point. Thank God. Yeah, I think we've yes, moved on, hopefully. Yes. Um, and that, that really hurt her feelings, if you ever see any of the documentaries or know anything about Whitney. But, but she did represent black, white, all, 
she spoke, she, her voice really spoke for all colors of people. And, um, you know, I mean, for goodness sake, the anthem, the national anthem becoming a number one, Mm. there was something about her that, you know, became a number one on the billboard charts. So isn't that crazy? And so there was something about her that really united us all. Um, you know, her image. And I, I think they did a great job, even though that, that was again, something that wound up almost destroying part of her because her image wasn't necessarily who she was as far mm-hmm. as her realness. They, they created right, something. Right. But what they did was, <laughs> ironically, uh, it really changed the world. Her music changed the world. And if you put on any Whitney Houston song, at least for me, you hear it and you're just like, oh my goodness, not only does it bring you back to those 80s and 90s and to an era, but you feel the joy and you hear how wonderful these songs were and the production value. And also, I think you hear her mm. and I think mm. just her interpretation of these mm. songs put her heart into these, yes. these songs. And I feel like we as fans felt like we knew her mm. through her music. And that's not true of every artist, right. you know, even great artists whose songs we love. Yeah. They don't always bear their souls. Right. And I think with her, we, I think we all felt that from her. Yes. And there, and she, yes, she was a master at interpreting music and the, the, the A&R team that got her songs for her really knew what they were doing. Really crafted a a star yeah you talked about Will Nunziata as your director how does he work with you on the shows I know that he helped to craft and shape it and then once you have the basic outline of what it is does he work with you on performance Mm on vocal arrangements and things like that or mostly on performance mostly on performance Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know not to give away the tricks of the trade but uh, I guess anyone who is probably (laughs) listening knows that artists you know for years I shied away from (laughs) years I shied away from having a scripted show, somewhat of a scripted show. because yeah. and, and this is a kind of a theatrical piece is what we call it to kind of allude to the idea that this is a, we're yeah. telling stories here. And so storytelling is not, is you best believe anytime most artists get on stage, there is a bit of a script to what they're saying, because we want to make sure we're effective, that we're not rambling, that we're not, you know, that we're, yes. we're landing our points and kind of like a director in a play who has a script you want to make sure that you're not wasting any time, that that you're not wasting any movements, because you want people to receive the best of what this message is of the show. And so he helps with that. You know, even just we just had yeah. rehearsal Monday in New York, and um, he was bringing new things to the the text, bringing new ideas, new actions for me. And I'm, oh, I'm like, oh, that's a great idea, you know, and encouraging me to push, push my envelope as a, as a performer. So it's, I, I would recommend it to any artist out there, find a director. Uh, it makes oh. such a difference. Oh my gosh. I can't. Just the shows that I've seen here, the most memorable ones have been that have a bit of a script mm-hmm. that work hard at the storytelling yes. as much as the songs yes. and the arrangements. You know, like last night we just had Jeremy Jordan's show, mm-hmm. which I thought was going to be a, this wonderful sort of cabaret Broadway show tunes. 
And it was a scripted show about his early life and how abusive the household was and how being a father has made him want to revisit these issues and bring them out. And he's never talked about them publicly. And there was not a dry eye in the house at one point. But (gasps) when an artist brings that kind of realness and truthfulness, it is spectacular. And I find that, you know, we have a lot of artists who are amazing singers and they're fantastic shows, but the really, really special ones I do find Mm -hmm you find a way to tell a deeper story. And and I think you're right. I think having a director or an outside eye mm-hmm. help with that process, it makes an enormous difference. Yeah. So I agree. I yeah. agree. Well, Nicole, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your time. Good. And Nella, thank you for the compliments. I, I, I'm, I'm honored by them. Oh, and and, and, no. uh, and thanks for sharing about Jeremy's show. I just I got chills in that, but yeah. it's so true. It's like we have, <laughs> we have a beautiful opportunity. And thank you to Feinstein's for creating such a wonderful space, stage, lighting, sound. I mean, everybody there is just a pro. And I, your marketing to everything, I just really appreciate what you all do for us as well so yeah we have a good team good luck with your show and your upcoming concerts and we'll see you in new york in a few short weeks and i want to urge everybody listening to not miss nicole's show it's something really really special nicole the title of your show i want to dance with somebody the songs of whitney houston (laughs) and it'll be march 3rd and 17 at 7 p.m tickets and information at 54below.com love it Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.